0: right the book of acts going to continue with the story of the church now i I share little bits and little little things here and there there's a couple i want to be careful some people really really like the uh i guess you'd say the more technical studious aspect uh nuggets that are ferreted out through study they really really enjoy those and then some people are not as keen on those they want to go with the heart of what's being said so i try to strike a balance between the two i want to give you background i want to give you some of those things but i'm not trying to get so bogged down in one way or the other what i'm trying to do is stay on track and kind of share these things that have been given to me over the years and just give them to you as they come so If you want to go deeper at some point, you can say, hey, continue on that for a while. Uh, If not, you know, we'll just keep bumping right along. But it was even suggested to me that we might do this book. It's a book that I thought about doing. And the reason why I had thought about doing it was just confirmation for somebody to say, you know, it'd be nice to do this book. John deals a lot with the Holy Spirit. John is probably more than anyone else he shares with the people that jesus christ in his mission as he is going to fulfill everything that his father has sent him to do that he's going to die for the sins of the world that he is going to be resurrected suffer in our place and be resurrected on the third day which the other gospel accounts uh, include that as well but he talks about the helper He talks about the Comforter. And a good deal of the book is dealing with the Holy Spirit. Jesus even said, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Well, he's not just speaking about himself, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. If you remember, whenever Jesus was talking about, soon I'm going to be leaving the earth, and they were sorrowful. And I would have been too. You know, we hear these things. It doesn't impact us like the people that were actually standing there with Jesus because we've heard it. We've flipped the pages, you know. We've read and seen ultimately what was going to come out of this. But, you know, if you were there at that moment in time and all of this was unraveling right in front of you and you see Jesus betrayed by somebody who was one of his own, even betrayed with a kiss, and then they take him forcibly and they put on a mock trial and then they beat him mercilessly long before he gets to the Romans. Then they lie about him. The next thing you know, he, he's being tortured again. He's suffering one of the worst deaths that a human being can suffer and also meant to be the most humiliating death. All of these things are happening and then you see the one that you have come to believe as the Messiah, you see him dead on a tree and that scares you and it should scare you and even after jesus was resurrected from the dead they're still struggling with this issue whenever jesus is resurrected you know people see him; they come back and tell the apostles we've seen jesus what do they do they mock the ladies they were like sure you know you you ladies just hysterical well you know there's probably a reason that jesus appeared to them because they would actually believe what they saw now that's not trying to be sexist or anything like that towards you guys But the point is, is that they came looking for him and Jesus did appear to them. And there was that doubt, even when Jesus appeared in their midst, because people, even though Jesus has been sharing things with them, it's one thing to be, I guess, taught something in thought and then to actually experience it. It was horrifying to them. But now here's Jesus resurrected from the dead. But if you go back, whenever Jesus said, I am going to be leaving you, I'm going to be killed. And they don't understand this. And their hearts were filled with sorrow, the scripture says. But Jesus says, you know, I know that whenever I told you this, that your hearts are filled with sorrow. But they shouldn't be. He said it is to your advantage that I go away because if I don't go away, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the one that's going to come alongside and will help you and guide you and do all these things that you need, he said he won't come. He only comes as a result of me sacrificing my life, salvation being purchased for you, and then he comes. And whenever he comes, he will guide you into all truth he will take of what is mine and he will give it to you when he comes he will glorify me that's what he's going to do now let's talk about the holy spirit for just a second in this respect you and me today many people i guess it's the way that it's taught in seminaries and it's the way it's taught in the church most people they that you hear about Jesus a good bit and you hear about the Holy Spirit so we're talking about two individuals of the triune God. Okay? God in three persons. And we talk a good deal about that, but people don't really center in on the Holy Spirit like they should from time to time. And people will say, well, I know a lot about God the Father, and I know a lot about God the Son, but said, I don't know a whole lot about God the Holy Spirit. Might I suggest to you that it is the exact opposite? You know more about the Holy Spirit than you probably do anything else, or anyone in the tree in God, and let me tell you why. Your entire encounter with God, everything you have experienced with God, has been the Spirit of God. Who convicted you of sins? The Holy Spirit. Who is the person that revealed Christ to you in your heart? The Bible says the Holy Spirit. What you know of God, his heart, his love, his grace, his mercy, even his justness, even his holiness, has been revealed to you by guess who? The Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. He reveals God to you. He manifests God to you. Now, you say, well, are you saying that I don't know uh, the Father or the Son? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of the Father. He's referred to as the Spirit of the Son because it is not that God is divided. God is God. God in his perfection, he exists in three persons who are in perfect unity at all times. But to receive one, to experience one, you have experienced them all. And that's why the scripture says in John that we just studied, Jesus said, if you want to honor the Father, you have to honor the Son, just like you honor the Father. As a matter of fact, to honor the Son, to honor the Spirit of God, is to please the Father. So people want to say well how do i please the heart of the father love the son love the spirit if you want to please please uh, the son or the spirit of god it's the exact same glorify god okay so he is in us he lives in us and now we are living in the i hate to use this term but a dispensation a time period of grace that god has chosen but in this dispensation of grace that we now live in the holy spirit is now as christ came into the world and as his mission was uh and you know we we talk about the spirit of the lord is upon me for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor deliverance to the captive the recovering of the sight of the blind to mend the broken hearted hearted, to set at liberty those that are oppressed or bruised and jesus would later on say and as my father has sent me now i send you We are to be a light, just like Christ, in this world. So, in essence, Christ now goes to heaven, and now we see the greater works that Jesus promised. His Holy Spirit is going to multiply over the face of the earth, I mean just absolutely consuming everywhere it goes. Or, excuse me, not yet him, everywhere he goes. So, we come to the book of Acts. And remember, with the book of Acts, it's a two-book two type thing, okay? It was one work that was done, with, but it has two parts to it. Luke. If you ever study the book of Luke, remember that Luke was not an apostle, but Luke went out and got first-hand accounts of everything that he could. He would talk to the people that were there that witnessed everything that went on. So he uh, began to put all of these accounts together so that we could have an accurate account. At least that's what he was trying to do is put forth another account to complement everything that was going on. He puts together this gospel, if you will, the good news of Jesus Christ, but he doesn't stop there. He continues to chronicle the church, which we refer to as the Acts of the Apostles, but the truth is it's really the Acts of the Church is what it is. So we're going to see that he's going to um, be speaking with Theophilus, or loved of God or lover of God, But depending upon who your professor is, but I believe it means loved by God. But he's going to refer back to Luke, and then we'll begin. God bless the reading of your word, Father. Bless this time and teach us in Jesus' name. Loose my mouth to share your love. Okay, starts out, it says in verse 1, the former account I made, that would be Luke, the gospel of Luke, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the holy spirit do you see him right there at the beginning jesus christ through the holy spirit that's another interesting thing side note okay jesus said everything he did even to casting out demons he said i did it through the finger of god and he defines the finger of god later as the spirit of god interesting just like you and me the power that you witnessed is the holy spirit okay so what he had done through the holy spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible truths in other words this isn't just one person saying that they saw jesus many people saw jesus many there were hundreds at one point that saw him alive And it's not just one little clique or one little group. They're they're diverse, okay? So he shows himself with many infallible proofs, not only showing people on the Emmaus Road with the apostles, also with uh, Thomas as he allowed them to touch him, to experience him. So Jesus has appeared to them for 40 days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he's continuing to teach them, even post-resurrection, of the things of the kingdom of God, the things that they need to know and to be prepared to do as his children. And being assembled, now he breaks there and he goes right back to Christ, helping us understand. And being assembled together with them, so he's going to share about the resurrection or they're going to experience him uh, ascending to the Father. He commanded them, now catch this, he commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem. Don't do it. Stay here, stay in Jerusalem, and wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. What's the promise of the Father? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and he is going to reside in you. Now, Whenever you look at the scripture and we go back to the beginning of scripture and we can see through the different accounts uh, and also the different books of scripture that ultimately, I'm not saying every single word in every single situation is is speaking specifically of Jesus, but you can tell that the book accounts as a whole, many of them point to one central person ultimately being fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, okay? Okay. But at the same time, there is the promise of the Holy Spirit, such as there's coming a time whenever God's no longer going to write his commandments on tablets of stone, but he will write them on the fleshly tablets of our hearts. Well, who does that? The Holy Spirit living inside of you. The transformation, the new birth, everything is wrought through the work of the holy spirit he is your companion he is your god he is with you he is there to help you to encourage you he is always available and to empower you okay he's the one that is always there now you say well are 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 the father and the son yes if you get the holy spirit you got all of god god is not divided god is one in jesus christ dwell all the fullness of the godhead bodily jesus said because we loved him we had faith in him his father and he as well as the holy spirit would come and make their home with us all right to have the spirit is to have god so he tells them, he says you stay in jerusalem you wait there for the promise of the father why because they can't do what they are supposed to do they can't accomplish that which god wants them to accomplish without the power of god in them the holy spirit is going to come upon them in such a way to empower them for the work for which god has called them to do and that work are you ready for this primarily primarily number one thing is to be a witness for jesus to witness to what we have seen what we have heard what we have experienced we are going to witness to jesus christ and he living in us so wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me for john truly baptized you with water but you shall be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now Now, let's take a look at that word baptism for just a minute. The word literally means to immerse. That's why we are Baptists. That's why you get baptized with us. We soak you. That's the way it is, immersion. If you go back and you look at the words, it's John the Immerser, okay, the Baptizer. But think about immersion for a minute. John truly, let's use that word baptized, but let's change it to immersion, what it means. For John truly immersed you in water, but you shall be immersed And the Holy Spirit, not many days from now, you are going to be absolutely consumed. The Holy Spirit is going to just watch over through in the whole thing. He is going to consume you. All right. But you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Jesus. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Remember, that was their belief. The Messiah would come. He would deliver them from the tyranny of any other country that might be uh, lording over them, and that he was going to restore them, that they were his people, that they were going to be made uh, whole at liberty and victorious for that matter. So all of these things were going to happen. So they said, Lord, you know, now that you've done these things, are you going to restore Israel? And he says this to them. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put into his own authority, which comes down to this. There are a lot of things that God is going to do, and you don't need to preoccupy yourself with them. It's not that we can't think about them. It's not that we can't study about them. It's not that we cannot learn. But what he is saying is there are things that are much more needful, and there is a focus that we need to have, and especially now, a focus that they need to have. Let me say this a little differently with something we just read. You remember whenever Jesus restored Peter? Love me more than these, feed my lambs. And you remember at the end of that, he asked about John. He saw John walking with him. He said, Lord, you know, what about him? Jesus said, what's it to you if if he were even to remain until our return? That's not important, Peter. You follow me. In other words, Peter, you're concerned about a lot of different things. Focus. How many of you used to watch the show Kung Fu with David Carradine? Anybody? Kung Fu, David Carradine? Y'all know who Grasshopper is? Okay, that's one of you. He was looking at him saying, focus, Grasshopper. Focus on what was going on there. You follow me. Jesus could have said any number of things. You know, Peter, what does it matter about these other things? That's not your concern. Your concern is to follow me. Follow me with all your heart. They are too. And now we come here and he's saying, you know, do not worry about the times or the seasons that the father has in his own authority. God's faithful. He's going to do it. You do what I'm telling you to do. And now let's hear this again. The father is put into his own authority. Okay. It's not for you to know that. But here's what you can know. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And whenever it says power, it literally means power, supernatural power. Some people talk about dunamis and other Greek terms, but literally it is power. Supernatural power is going to come upon you. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But what is the power for? Will there be miracles? Will there be signs and wonders? Will God do that which will boggle the mind and stagger the mind of people all around you? Yes, but that is not the primary purpose. That may be part of it, but here's the mission. But you shall be witnesses. That's what you're called to be. You are called to be witnesses. The Holy Spirit is there to empower you to be witnesses. And whenever we say witness, it isn't just going out there and sharing the good news. It is what you are. You are a witness to what Jesus Christ has done. You are a witness even in this day and time. You are a witness of what Jesus Christ has done in you and what you've seen him do in others. You are a witness to his faithfulness, to his holiness, to his justness. You are a witness to all things that God has done. That's why the Bible says that when we are comforted, why? We've gone through a hard time. We've endured some hardship in life. We've been persecuted or we've endured a hardship. And it says, we've been comforted by God. Well, why did God comfort us? So that we could comfort others with the same comfort with which we received. We experienced it, now we give it. You, right now, as strange as it may sound, are witnesses of the power of the living God. You are witnesses to the transformational power of God working in you, changing you from glory to glory, delivering you from sin and self. And we should be saints. Listen to me. A lot of times we think, okay, now I'm a Christian and now I'm not going to sin anymore. Well, five minutes later, we realize that that's, that's not the case. That old flesh times, tries to jump on us. But what we should see, As the scripture says, if we will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, notice he's mentioned over and over again, if by the power of the Holy Spirit we will put to death the deeds of the flesh. There are some times that God will come upon us and God will deliver us. I mean, just pow. I've seen people with addictions and different things in their lives that God has come down and he's taken away from people. But I will tell you, most of the time, that's not how he does it. He just does not come down and just, okay, okay, it's gone. Sometimes he does that in the lives of the people because they absolutely need it. He sees into their hearts and lives what is coming and what's happened, and he knows that, that, that at times some people have to have that but most of the time that's not what he does most of the time he tells us to put the nose of the ship into the storm and let him be the captain you say well lord this is tough lord this is difficult yes yes it is because your flesh absolutely craves and cries out to be in charge but i'm going to teach you how to let it go i'm going to teach you how to say no to yourself and i'm going to teach you what true deliverance is i'm going to teach you that that struggle that's inside of you that feels like it's tearing your soul absolutely apart in time i'm going to make that go away but you've got to hang in there with me okay so we are witnesses of that as well somebody comes to you and says you don't understand i struggle with a b c and d or any one of the above and they say to you you don't understand i've prayed for years i can't overcome this Do you know what you are? Especially if God has delivered you from that, you can look at him and say, don't you believe that liar for one second more? I'm telling you right now that you can have freedom. You just do not let go. And let me pray with you. Let me be in this fight with you so that you might know the freedom that comes through the Holy Spirit. You know, it's hard to argue with somebody whenever they come right back at you and say, listen, I lived in that for 30 years. And I stand before you today, delivered, not because I'm holy, not because I'm anything, but because of the grace of God alone, I stand before you delivered. Does that mean that I would no longer sin? Oh, yeah, you fall right back into it. But I have no desire to go back into chains of darkness. Don't want them? Not interested. Not interested. But we are witnesses to Jesus Christ. Now he says, you shall be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, we've talked about this. Look at the map and you'll see it like this. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It was going to begin there in Jerusalem. That's why Jesus told them, stay in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. All right, and you will be my witnesses and you're going to go to the ends of the earth. All right, let's keep going here. Ooh, doing good. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received, received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Those are angels. Who said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who has taken up from you this into heaven will so come in like manner as you have seen him go to heaven. Now, you remember these angels, they are proclaiming what the Lord has already shared. They're not being arrogant. They're not being ugly. They're just merely proclaiming the truth. Does this sound familiar at the tomb? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why are you doing that? He's already told you he's gonna rise okay he is not here he is risen and now they're standing there you know and and I usually I have a weird twisted strange mind I'm very silly but you know I can see everybody there's Jesus he's sitting there preaching to everybody and then all of a sudden he starts coming up off the ground he starts rising up in the air and they're standing as Jesus is floating. He's going up. He's going up. The clouds come to receive him. But there's these two guys dressed in white. And they're doing this. Um, men of Galilee. you know, I'm sorry, I'm just weird that way. Why are you standing, staring intently into heaven? This same Jesus, he said he's coming back. And he is. Just like you've seen him go, he's coming back well that should be a song show he's coming back on the silver cloud floor i going to continue now okay so they let him know he's coming back in like manner he is going to return that is one of my favorite things i don't know if any of you were familiar with the late c.m ward he was in the assemblies of god church great man of god really was and they had him on a show one time and uh I don't, I'm not trying to build up a human being, but I believe CM Ward had most of the Bible memorized. I mean, he just really did. You know, you could ask him a question. He'd tell you book, chapter, and he'd tell you approximately the verse. It was just he lived that close to going to eternity, okay? And a fella asked him one time, and he was sharing this. He said a fella shared was sharing with him and told him, said, how do you believe Jesus? How, how do you know all this stuff? And You know, we hear all the time that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Mr. Ward or Reverend Ward said to him, how do you know that Jesus is coming again? He paused for a minute and he looks at him and he says, well, he said he was going to come the first time, didn't he? You catch that? He said he was coming the first time and he did. So believe you me, he's coming again. That was just a side note. You don't get billed for that one. Okay. Okay, let's go to verse 12. It says, and when they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet or the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, which I guess is around a half a mile or something like that. Because you couldn't walk too far on the Sabbath day. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. And then it talks about the people that were there. It was Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alpha- Alphaeus, can't speak English, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, uh, the son of James. So the, the 11 are, are there together. As these all continued with one accord, you're going to see this as a continuing theme In the book of Acts, and I think this is where the modern church misses it. They all continued in one accord. That's not a Honda. Makes a good joke. But it's talking about unity. They are in one heart, one one devotion to God. And that's how they pray. And God was moving mightily upon the church so they're there and they're continuing in one accord and they're uh, in prayer and supplication asking god to provide for their needs with the women and with mary the mother of jesus and with his brothers notice now they're showing up his brothers they didn't believe before and now jesus brothers are believers and in those days peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and what they're going to do is that the 12th apostle judas obviously has gone and killed himself and peter speaking by the Spirit, I do believe, but ultimately speaking and sharing what he believes his conviction, he is speaking that there's supposed to be one to take his place. Now, some people have disputed and said, well, it was supposed to have been Paul. That came later. I'm very careful about saying what should have been and those other things. I'm just saying that This is what was the conviction laid upon Peter's heart. And you say, well, the Holy Spirit hasn't been given yet. How does Peter know? Well, if you remember, whenever Peter was Jesus, Jesus even told him, whenever he confessed him as the Son of God, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. God still speaks to the hearts of people. So anyway, so they're together with about 120 people and said, verse 16, men and brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit, wow, that's interesting. The Holy Spirit just... Every time you turn around, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spake before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. So people will say, Well, you know, Jesus had nothing, uh, Judas had nothing to do with him. No, he was there with him. He just got twisted and badly messed up. Verse 18. Now this man purchased the fill with the wages of iniquity. And falling headlong he burst open in the middle and his entrails gushed out and real cheery story all the way around but basically he was disemboweled when he hung himself and it became known to all of those dwelling jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language echel that is filled of blood for it is written in the book of psalms let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his place so in other words judas was going to die and another person needed to take his place. Let's keep going. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all this time, now, whenever they say accompanied us, notice the criteria. That the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day whenever he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of the resurrection. So they're saying, someone who's been with us from the beginning, we need to pick one of those folks. And they proposed two, okay? Joseph called Barsabbas, whose surname was Justice, and Matthias. And when they prayed, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So he comes in there, and he's going to minister, and he's going to work with them. So they've got their numbers together, but something's getting ready to happen Pentecost, the feast of first fruits. I want you to gather this. The way this worked, well, let me say this first fruits the crops that they had planted and and even of their fields and whether it be of their herds or whatnot but they would take the first the very first buddings the very first crops that were grown the best of what they had they would take it and they would offer it to god you go back and you start thinking about cain and abel you know abel comes with the the best of what he had now you say well he offered animals well that's the point It doesn't matter whether it's animals or whether it's crops or whatever it is offering the best okay not some but the best it's an act of worship so what happens is they would offer these to god they'd have these wave offerings and all these kind of other things that would happen but this happened 50 days penta 50 days after the passover 50 days exactly and then you began the feast of first fruits. Is it interesting that Jesus is crucified on the Passover, Passover lamb being sacrificed, and exactly 50 days later, you have the birth of the church, the first fruits of the church? People, that's not by accident. That was a divine plan. Jesus was around for like 40 days. You remember after that? So he's telling them, go to Jerusalem, hang out don't leave you need the holy spirit but the first fruits of the church are getting ready to be born okay and so 50 days later it happens on pentecost chapter 2 god bless the reading of his word it says and when the day of pentecost had fully come they were all in what one accord right you see these things One accord, you'll hear the Holy Spirit over and over again, but you'll hear about unity and one accord. They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, so they're there worshiping, praying, loving, caring, doing all the things that they would do, admonishing one another, encouraging one another, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind now let me explain this it didn't say it was a wind it says that it was a sound of a rushing mighty wind the term in there would be almost tempestuous in other words a very very strong okay you ever been around here and the wind come up and it's about knocking down trees okay mighty wind rushing mighty wind they hear the sound of this wind coming from heaven Rushing mighty went, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, here's the strange stuff where everybody's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We're getting into crazy stuff. It's the word of God, okay? I mean, if you can spit on the ground and rub clay into people's eyes made with the spit, or if you can walk around the city for seven days, you can deal with this too. Okay? So just, just bear with us here then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat on each of them okay shane what's happening a tongue appears and it starts dividing yes that a tongue i don't want to stick my tongue out at you but a tongue appears and it begins it looks like a flame of fire and it begins dividing and it goes and it rests upon every person that is there all right It says, one set upon each one, and they were all filled with what? The Holy Spirit. This is a good thing, not a bad thing. This is not the church being divided. That happened later. This is the church being united. The church in unity is being brought together even closer. They are filled absolutely to the bent brim. It is overflowing in them, and all of a sudden there is this manifestation of this, a tongue, language, tongue. It appears, and it rests on each of them. And it says, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now here, I guess I should probably wait, should I? Yeah, we'll wait, we'll wait. I'll come back and talk. make a comment on that okay verse five okay we're gonna to have to close it up in just a second and there were dwelling in jerusalem jews devout men from every nation under heaven did you catch that there are there is a diversity come to worship there different na- nations different nationalities different languages okay And whenever this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. In other words, they start hearing all of these people as they are magnifying God in different languages. Okay, and you're going to see this in just a minute. But anyway, they are praising and magnifying God. And they hear all these people speaking different things. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, looking at one another. Look, are not these all who speak Galileans? In other words, they should be speaking the same language. How do they know all these other languages? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Okay? And then it gives an example. It's doing this deliberately, people, to let you know the diversity, whether it's Parthians, Medes. Uh, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Okay? Oh, I'm sorry. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. Anyway, it goes on. Uh, Visitors from Rome and Jews and proselytes. So we've got all these different cultures here. They were born in different places, and they're hearing these people magnify God in their own language. So it goes. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They're glorifying God. Forget everything that everybody's tried to teach you about telling you that this is not of God and all these kinds of other things. Just stop for a minute. God comes down, and in front of the entire world, or representatives from the world, he takes one group, ragtag group of people, And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes upon them, and they are no longer just speaking in their own languages, but they are speaking in the languages of every culture that is around them, proclaiming the majesty and the glory of God. That is a unifying event. That is taking those people from those cultures, and it is pulling them in. And I'll tell you another thing. God is not simply interested in one teeny tiny little group of people. God's scope has always been the world. And I know we quote this a lot, but it's important that this ring in your ears and resonate in your heart. Whenever he said to Abraham, and in you, this is way back in Genesis. Abraham, in you, in your seed, the entire earth will be blessed not one group of people not just jews but the whole earth will be blessed now he entrusted the word of god to these people and he has used them time and time again as a light for the world but now look at what has happened jesus christ has come and listen it doesn't matter jew or gentile we now take on a new identification we are now christians we belong to christ We are people of the way. We go out in his name. And we share. And as we go, God loves everybody. And this is just the first step in the first revelation and let people see that we will go worldwide with this thing and that we're all beckoned to become children of the same God. Okay? That's what's happening. Well, you don't understand. That tongue stuff scares the life out of me. Listen. Listen. With anything that happens within the church, I'm going to share it with the way a very wise pastor shared this to me. He sat down with me one day and we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit and we were talking about tongues. We talked about prophecy. We talked about all things. And this was a guy that had been both in Pentecostal churches, Baptist churches. He came up like me. He's a mutt. It's all in there. fifty-seven theology. But he told me this. He said, Shane, have you ever seen a counterfeit I said yes sir I've seen a counterfeit I've seen a dog in a pony show more times than I can count and he said that's right but he said you know there's a strange thing about counterfeits I said what's that and he said well if there's a counterfeit there has to be a real thing right don't be so afraid of wildfire that you ignore the real fire amen all right Okay, let me just hit two verses and we'll stop. Oh, it's 7 o'clock. Okay. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocked. And that's the way it always is. There's always somebody out there mocking. They said they are full of new wine. They're drunk. What they're saying? They're drunk. But I love this. But Peter's standing up with the 11. Now, you're going to see this leadership that Jesus has always been talking about raised his voice oh timid timid peter no he's raising his voice raised his voice and said to them men of judea and all who dwell in jerusalem let this be known to you and heed my words in other words pay attention for these are not drunk as you would suppose since it is only the third hour of the day but this is what was spoken by the prophet joel And it shall come to pass in the last day, says the Lord, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, not just a prophet, not just a king, on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood But before the coming of the great and the awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls calls on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. That's what it's all about. This was a promise, the promise of the Father, and the Holy Spirit has come to be continued. All right, tonight, um, I'll tell you what, let's do a course and let's see if anybody needs special prayer tonight and then if anyone needs special prayer, we'll pray for you. And if not, we will dismiss. And everyone here, you know what I normally say during this time. The altars are going to be open. You don't have to wait for a special invitation. If God's dealing with your heart, please come. Respond as God speaks to you. If everybody would please stand. Jesus is tenderly calling. all right tonight the lord bless you i pray that he keeps you father i pray that you move upon your people and that we live in the power of your spirit to be witnesses father and to share your love and your grace your goodness your faithfulness your truth with all in jesus name amen you're dismissed